Hey folks, it's Judy Ansel from the Heartland Labor Forum in Kansas City. You can find us at kkfi.org. The Heartland Labor Forum is a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Just go to laborradionetwork.org and you'll find a grid of logos for shows. Click on any one for history, news, politics, or arts, all about the most neglected topic in the corporate media, workers. Check out our show on kkfi.org and all the shows at laborradionetwork.org. BCTGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. The context of this episode starts with the December Yes Vote by workers at Blue City Brewing Company in Memphis, Tennessee to join the BCTGM. I first want to congratulate these workers who are currently in negotiations for their first contract with BCTGM Local 149. Many key staff people and BCTGM officers contributed to this victory as the election got closer but union personnel at both the international and local level have continuously passed the credit back to the faith and enthusiasm of the workers. As Local 149 President Latita Malone put it, we won because they believed we could. For this episode, Organizing Director John Price helped me get the story of one worker in particular, Jasmine White. Jasmine is an employee of this facility who was unlawfully fired along the way, for her organizing activities, and Miss Latito is also on hand for further perspective. As you listen, if you like what you hear, you can screenshot the episode, share it on social media, copy the link, and text it to a friend. Also, the BCTGM Voices Project is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. So whatever platform you've chosen today, a rating and review is always helpful to building our audience. Lastly, the Blue City Brewing organizing story can be read in full detail in the latest issue of the BCTGM News, dated January-February 2021. It is published on pages 8 and 9. If you don't get this by mail, you can read it right now on our website at bctgm.org forward slash news forward slash publication. With that, here are Jasmine White, Latita Malone, and John Price. Start with Jasmine. You were instrumental in getting the ball rolling on this campaign in the plant. So will you just give us the backstory of how it all started and then what happened? I just remember when I first got there, um, an election was taking place with the Teamsters. And I had just started Blue City Berry and wasn't there long enough to see the need for a union. 
So um, being there three years, I have seen enough to know that we did, in fact, need a union. So me and JB and other coworkers, we would discuss the need for a union. So from time to time, when we were being bullied by Blue City Berry from either coming in early, the promises they made and the blames we took for them. I had called the teamster and they said, it'll have to be a year before they can come back. We started to look outside of them. But as time went on, I went up to JB workstation and he was like, Mario called BCTGM. And then I was like, okay, cool. What I need to do? He said, oh, we need to get names of people who would like the union. So that's when I started to go get the names. And I had managed to get 50 names the first day and that alone motivated me even more. So um, in no time, I had over 120 names within the first month across the plant. So at that time it was game time. Then I met Mario and he told me to be careful because he had my name in the front office as to basically to be careful because they're out to get me. So then I just started a group chat, gave out literature through a barbecue and stuff like that, me and my coworkers, and kept the momentum going. Wait, let me ask, if you don't mind, I just want to jump in with Jasmine. What were some of the things management did to you once they found out that you were a union activist? Did they interrogate you in the office? I mean, what's some of the tactics that they tried to get you to stop? I started the text messaging saying I need to be at my workstation when I was on break. And I had never received those type of texts because I remember specifically July 5th when we start up, there's like literally nothing to do for like five hours in my position. The only people that had to really do something was the filler operators. So everybody else, traditionally, we would just hang out and talk. And that day I received a text from um, my supervisor and she was like, go clean up your area now. And I'm like, really? Because I tried to contact her and let her know that I was on the way. She didn't answer the phone and I didn't see anybody in the plant. It was like ghost town. So that was the start of it. I just kept getting harassed and watched. And Yes, because a lot of uh, our members that work in unionized plants already, and so they know how management, even in a union shop, when they want to try to pressure you, take you away from other workers or give you uh, some crazy jobs. Just imagine for a moment working in a non-union shop like Jasmine, where the, she's an employee at will. There's protection under the National Labor Relations Act, but that's uh, what she's going through now, which is a lot of times filing charges with the board and stuff like that. I, I just wonder how many of our uh, members out there, you know, would they be active in, in uh, an organizing campaign? Some of them probably have been a part of an organizing campaign, too. Um, yeah. Well, I always, uh, and I asked this to Lisa Gregory, too, like going through that in the intimidation, like, what kept you in it? Well, I kept my spirits up because, number one, my integrity and also other support from Miss Malone was there for me. The same night that I got walked out, she answered the phone late night when I called and she told me that we're, we're going to do the charges with the NLRB because they unlawfully fired me for um, organizing. So um, she assisted me throughout the whole process. So I had to continue to fight. Also, I knew that the people that signed my book and uh, the people that trusted me with their signatures, their telephone numbers, it's a lot of people had questions and answers and I just couldn't turn my back, even though, I was no longer with the company. I felt like they needed someone to lead from the outside and the inside. That way they'll have a better chance to win the election because a lot of people was fearful. 
I think you had mentioned when we spoke last week, you had also said it was almost easier after you were fired because then you wouldn't have to deal with that every day. It was, it was. When I knew they were on to me, I knew I had a limited time there. So I just did as much as I could in the inside and then I wouldn't have to worry about it when I get out. Yeah. In any organizing campaign, and, and I could tell you from my years of experience that, you know, 90% or higher management will violate the National Labor Relations Act. I, I mean, some of it's just ignorance because supervisors don't know uh, workers' rights and what the law are. You know, just like simply removing union literature from non-work areas during non-work times is a violation of the act. But the most egregious violation is termination. And as much as uh, Jasmine says the pressure kind of was offered, actually the pressure was on her at that time too, because now she has to figure out a way to, to provide a living, right? But she probably could focus a little bit more on the organizing campaign itself. On the inside, that's the reason why they did it to, to you and Mario and anyone else that they that disparately treated was to send a chilling effect, which it did. If I recall, and Leti uh, you can pick up from here because it kind of you and Vice President Zach Townsend got a boatload of authorization cards with the help of Jasmine and others early on. And then once Jasmine got fired and Mario got fired and it was around the time you were filing for a petition for election, everybody took a step back. Fear really. And that's what that's why management does it. They know ultimately they're going to have to reinstate Jasmine with full back pay and plus interest or buy her out. Most companies will try to buy her out and give her back pay and front pay, uh, but they don't care because the ultimate goal was to get the people to vote no, and it would have been worth any amount of money to them at that point. Now they got a case of uh, the worst of both worlds because now now they, they have a unionized shop and, and they still have to deal with Jasmine and any other unfair labor practice charges. Tell us, Latita, Jasmine says you went and met her uh, when they walked her out. Where did you go from there? Jasmine called me and say, well, they, they just walked me out. They just walked me out. I'm like, holy cow, you, you got to be kidding me. We need you on the inside. And Jasmine say, hey, we'll be just fine. I still plan on working uh, with you all. I know that this is a must. I know that we can, we can do this. And I tell you, with her on the outside, I mean, she was a blessing to the local because she still knew those people and were able to tell the story of how the company interrogated her, how they searched her down. And it just, just wasn't right. But the whole thing was a scare tactic uh, for the workers to just chill. And honestly, they did for a while because they were afraid that they was going to lose their job. So Jasmine did, came out and I tell you, we went to work um, along with some of the other international organizers, which was great, uh, putting everything together that we need due to the COVID. We had to come up with something different to how to reach the people. And I never will forget, Jasmine was like, let's do something for Father Days. Let's try to get them out to the park. So I'm like, cool, whatever it takes. Um, we met for Father Day out in the park. Not as many people showed up as I thought would, but I always say if you have five or six, just one that you can educate to take it back into the plant. And we were very successful with that. I absolutely recall after the egregious violations of the act 
and the word got in that we were filing a petition for election. And we tried to get creative and came up with the electronic authorization card. But on paper, Michelle, you should understand, because it's all about numbers. When we organize, there's compassion and passion. It's all about people. Don't get me wrong. But when you are the organizer, you're really looking at numbers and where you're at, right? And so there was a certain point in this campaign where we collectively put our heads together and thought, maybe we should withdraw the petition because the unit was much bigger than we originally thought. And on paper, it wasn't changing. We weren't getting more activists because of the chilling effect of Jasmine getting fired, right? So we decided, let's just see how much enthusiasm actually was there. And so let's take this trip on the road. And I recall Jasmine coming out and, and it was a great thing that she knew so many people. More importantly, so many people knew her because the company did everything they can possibly think of to obstruct us from communicating with the workers. And for those of you out there who've never been in an organizing campaign, uh, it's all about censorship. You know, organizing is all about communication and education. And if management can stop that, then they basically stop the organizing campaign. And I recall when I was down there in Memphis, when the, you know, we had to hassle with the police like we normally do, right? And we have to say where the property line is and you go back and forth. But we, we eventually crossed that street and there was more action, more excitement from the workers leaving and coming in. They were passing that highway. And you could just see it and feel it that, hey, it might have lost its lustre on paper. But in reality, there's something going on here, you know. And, and of course, Latita was trying to tell us that all the time. You know, uh-huh. speak phone. Oh, she just couldn't. She was getting frustrated because she couldn't show me that on paper. <laughs> right. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I knew that I had to convince him on paper. Because he kept saying, hey, the toolbox is not showing this. Right. I'm like, hey, let's just go out on faith. We can do this. I know that it's a victory. But, you know, I think they just were listening to me because they knew that I had passion for the workers because I had been on ground from yeah. day one. And I just I just felt that it was a victory. I mean, I didn't have any doubt. And finally, um, when they came out to see the horn blowing the spin wheel in the middle of the street. <laughs> I mean, the motivation was there and and my team finally say, yes, it's a go. Let, let's go for it. <laughs> uh, real quick, can we clarify when you say when they came down, you mean it was John Price, Secretary Treasurer? Yes, so it was actually Daryl and Jason Thomas. Okay. And that was the last go. That was the final draw there. But previous... It, right. We had uh, Daryl, Nate, David Woods, and uh, myself. That was the week we spent. We put the whole calendar together once we said it to a go, but it got even better. And I think that's where Latita was going, Michelle, because, you know, our some of our newest organizers like Jason Thomas and Daryl Copeland get together with Nate Zepp. Their creativity and their knowledge with the digital world is just amazing. And so uh, a whole lot of good things came out of the Blue City campaign one thing I think of is it's a mail-out ballot and you have to make sure your yes votes follow the proper instructions. Take the ballot out. When they vote, they have to sign one envelope and then stick in another envelope and then get it in on time. And we know already in in mail-out ballots, the average is only 60 to 65% of the people vote. And it usually leans labor unions away because your no voters are not real enthusiastic, so they're not going to take the time to run to the mailbox, get that ballot, mark it, follow the instructions, and all that stuff. 
but we wanted to make sure that everyone understood how to properly vote. And if they had any last minute questions, uh, because it started moving fast once, once that train took off there. And so I recall the organizers, uh, Jason Thomas, Daryl Copeland, and Nate Zett, along with Latita, trying to create a short video of how to vote and use the envelope. And then, you know, we had multiple campaigns going on at that time. And the campaign we had going on up Ohio, management just put out a video. It was an animated video on how to vote. And I remember joking around, I sent it down to uh, Daryl Copeland and them. And I said, yeah, well, can you do this? Now keep in mind, the company that put that together up in Ohio spent tens of thousands of dollars creating that. Yeah, and in yeah. less than 48 hours, Jason Thomas, Daryl Copeland, and Nate Zeff came out with a, an animated video on how to vote. It was just amazing, uh, you know. Um, and, you know, we have a very talented staff. Uh, we're real good at picking great inside organizing committee people like Jasmine. I mean, that's the key, wouldn't you say, Latita, in all your years' experience organizing? If you can get the right respectful people from inside the plant to get on your organizing committee, that's like uh, half the battle. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me ask you, Jasmine, what kind of resistance were you getting from like coworkers that were anti-union? Uh, I didn't get a lot, but I do remember the one guy, I was talking to him about it and he was like, what's your name? He was kind of suspicious, so I told him my name, and I, I gave him a card, and then later on that day, when he went off break, he went to another area, and the area he went to was one of my coworkers that, that I communicate with, and that was a uh, pro-union, and she told me he was up there just talking bad about it. We don't need no union, and cursing, and just tore my card up and threw it in the air. <laughs> it's amazing, the ignorance part, right? This person, and I've seen it before, and I'm sure Latita has too, it's like when we're leafleting, uh, that anti-union person or the uneducated voter is afraid to even touch that leaflet. It's like if I grab that leaflet, I turn union all of a sudden. You know, they don't look at it like this is a way to get information so they can make an educated choice. And I was just wondering because I know how frustrating it is when we're on the outside and they don't, you know, workers don't really know us and the company's already portraying us the first thing every company does when they're trying to avoid workers from organizing is to say that the union organizers are a bunch of outsiders and they're only trying to get their dues. And, you know, they skipped the whole part that it was the workers calling us to begin with. But I was kind of curious for the pro-union worker, what kind of peer pressure happens inside that plant? I, I've seen some nasty campaigns before uh, where it does get ugly. I've seen families break up over this stuff, you know. But I got to tell you, from the, the short time that I was outside and then talking to Latita and Jason and Daryl and, and the others that did spend the last few weeks in Memphis, there was not a lot of ugliness out front of the plant. It wasn't like in some campaigns, people were squeeching their wheels and they're giving you a finger telling you to get your real job. For the most part, uh, the excitement was for pro-union, pro right? Yeah. Latita, I'm curious, you just toured the factory recently, right? After you guys had your victory. What was it like inside? Well, actually I toured it twice. The first time the company did not take me and Daryl around the whole plant. They avoided certain areas in that plant. So me and Daryl started asking questions. Um, wh where's this area? Where's the break rooms? We would like to go in the break room. And finally, the HR, I guess, called he that we knew 
that he was avoiding us in some areas. So we was able to go in the break room and during that tour, Daryl would talk to the HR and I would like deviate to the workers on the floor and say, hey, I'm Miss Malone with the union. And I tell you, it made me feel so well because they was like, oh yeah, I know you're Miss Malone. <laughs> um, and yes, we're going to sign a card. You know, when is the next meeting? We're eager to come out. Um, how can I be a help? And things of that nature. So the plant visit went well. Still have a few people that just need to be educated. Um, you have people in there that's in the second chance program. So that's the best job that they ever had, you know, to be coming out as a convict. So I think once we get the education going to sure them up that they're in a better place now, I think it would even get greater. You know, uh, Michelle, um, Lucita just brought out a, a good point and, and I forgot about that too, that they do have a second chance program. And my experience trying to organize workers that are on uh, parole or probation, they can't be open. They can't be active like Jasmine because they can't get a job somewhere else. So that was probably another reason why we didn't see all that interest that we normally see in a hot shop, you know? And I don't have to tell you, Latita, you've been a part of this before. For all you local officers out there and international organizers, there is no better feeling than helping workers win an organizing uh, election and getting that first contract. I know, Jasmine, you had to be really happy when you heard the final results of the vote. And we've seen, like this year alone, uh, the BCGGM has been very successful, winning 75% of the elections we've been involved in around the country. But that even that 25% where we lose, there are so many good people like yourself that is involved in it, but, but the overwhelming majority could not successfully vote yes. And now they got to deal a whole other year inside that plant. Our hearts go out to those folks. And, you know, we, we've learned over years, though, that you go back uh, because management might fool them once. Maybe they'll fool them twice, but they're not going to get away with it all the time. And, and really, the workers only need to win one election. Let me just say also um, to what Latita alluded to, um, it's great that she got to tour the plant twice. And for those of you who don't know out there, this is the largest bargaining unit we picked up in more than a decade. You're looking at 550 potential members out there. Uh, and I don't want to use the word potential. I want to say there is going to be 550 members. Everybody signs up, I hope. And, and it's the possibility of it growing to as high as 700 people. But our job today, and anyone that knows anyone that works at Blue City uh, Brewery, is to educate them on what union density and solidarity means. You get 90, 95, 100% of the workforce signed up. That sends such a strong message to management that we're not messing around here. They want a contract and they want a good contract and they're not going to be waiting all year to get one. And I know Vice President Zach Townsend and I have been speaking and there is a whole plan basically to educate all Blue City workers to get them to become members of the union. Maybe you can touch on that, Latita. Still in the educational process, or have you actually started doing the signing up? Actually, after the walkthrough on last Wednesday, we had meetings at the union hall that give them information on how negotiation was going because we have started our uh, negotiation process and workers came out and they were eager at that time to go ahead and sign cards. So we have started the card signing. Um, we also form committees that will be able to go back into the facility to start signing people up um, to 
to give them the link if they would like to do it online uh, to sign up that way. So movement have started with the sign up process. Excellent, that's excellent. Latita, what is the NLRB doing with the pending charges regarding Jasmine right now? The outlook for her getting reinstated with full back pay? Everything looked excellent. Actually just had a conversation with the NLRB um, two days ago uh, with Jasmine Case and other charges that was filed with the company harassing the workers for taking leaflets. So the, comp uh, the NLRB is moving forward with those complaints, They're actually waiting on the company to come back with a settlement for Jasmine. I'll just say this, Michelle, because when you and I had did this, we were talking about the change in the regime now that we have President Biden coming in and that guy Trump going. Um, some drastic changes happening with the National Labor Relations Board. Uh, to start out with, the general counsel for the National Labor Relations guy by the name of Peter Robb, very anti-union. He, he was reversing all the Obama board changes, all the positive stuff. I mean, it's the National Labor Relations Board and they're supposed to be protecting workers' rights to form a union. This guy, Peter Robb and his cronies were only representing big business and, and they were doing rulings that would hurt workers. Less than two days of Joe Biden being president, he fired Peter Robb. The person that replaced him was a, a deputy uh, a general counsel, and she was just as bad, and she was fired the following day. And now we have a good general counsel in there that's already uh, overturned about a dozen bad decisions that Peter Roberts got. And I only bring that up because it's, it's good for Jasmine and, and anybody else out there who has pending unfair labor practice charges. Uh, believe me, I, I deal with the board probably more than anybody else. And it's very frustrating when they're not really doing their job, when they're not cooperating, when they're not out there really chasing down affidavits and getting uh, what they need. And the reason why they weren't doing that is, again, I'll give you a Peter Robb example. When Trump first took office, there was four years of investigation and preparation to go to court against McDonald Corporation. And it was because it was multi-employers. Uh, for those of you who don't know, all those McDonald's out there, you know, half of them are franchised, if not more. And so the franchisee has to follow the McDonald Corporation's way of business, although McDonald's says, we don't own that business, the franchise does. And when you organize when it comes to uh, leverage in the labor movement, it's the big guy, it's the billion dollar McDonald one that you want a part of that country. Any, in any event, during the Obama years, there was enough evidence to prove that McDonald's had a hands-on position with all these McDonald franchises. And they were about to go to court and litigate all this. And then when Trump won and Peter Robb came in office, the first thing Peter Robb did was settled all those charges, not for the worker, settled it for the franchisees and for McDonald's so to get them out of the way. Another thing is sometimes we enjoy what's called neutrality and recognition. When you have a decent relationship and a good rapport with an employer, uh, and, and they know, you know, union workers make the best product and they can solve all sorts of problems, you know, collectively. Um, and with those employers, they're not going to fight you like Blue City Brewing did and, and like most of these other employers. And so they agree to either give you car check recognition or they'll be neutral saying, you know what, it's the employee's decision, not ours, and we'll remove ourselves from this decision. Uh, Peter Robb was trying to make that illegal. 
he was saying it, it, it's a violation of the act to have neutrality. So all that stuff goes by the wayside. So that that's all I'm saying is, Jasmine, the good news is uh, we have better people in Washington in case it gets appealed down there. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. I work with you all and y'all are good people. And I was telling them this is a great union because they're genuine. They really care about the people. And it's hard to find the um people from down here to all the way up there to also be just as good as the ones we're working with alongside us that's good to hear that's good to yeah. hear uh jasmine i'm curious what your vision is and you do get hired back do you see yourself leading in there like as a shop steward or another role um i just want to experience uh the union there you know all the things that we've been through worked hard for to just to, um, be able to experience you know, the new work environment. And so everything yeah. else fall in place. I just want to run my money up. There yeah. you go. It's going to shake. Well, well you've made a great. lot of really good connections in our union. So whatever you decide to do, I'm sure you'll be successful. Let me just say one of the things we like to do is Jasmine's experienced all this too. And we come out successful is it's really every member's obligation to organize you know, um, and like they say, an injury to one's an injury to all. And now, you know, we're collectively putting all our strength in to help the 550 people of Blue City Brewing, but we have to constantly keep organizing. So when we see other non-union workers in the Memphis area, what we want to do is introduce Jasmine to them and she can tell her experience to these workers that how you can face down your fears and you can win your election. Uh, and for her, she went through the most egregious violation there could be. It's not always that way. You know, she can say, hey, I was on the battlefield and guess what? I got fired, but I kept fighting and we won. Um, I would I would think Latita's already thinking about that too. Yeah. You know, we can get to piggyback on that, doing the walkthrough uh, last Wednesday, the HR manager informed me um, they was in the process of hiring another 150 employees that they had already started the hiring process. Thank God beer's essential. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody want to make sure anything else gets in here before we end it? Hey, I just want to say to all of our brothers and sisters out there, um, continue to support Jasmine and the new members of 149 down in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, because we still have to get that first contract. It's all about that, right? Yeah. All right, thanks you guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.